It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm the former editor of AllYouCanEat.com and a credentialed writer covering the Miami Heat and the NBA for the Step Back Fan Rag Sports and Miami Heat Tip-Off Mag. You can follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, a credentialed NBA writer who has covered the Heat for SB Nation and AllYouCanEat.com. I cover the NBA at large for Fansided and FanRag Sports. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamil13. We're opening up the mailbag today. Thank you, as always, to everybody who sent stuff in. We've got great questions coming up. we got one about Paul George. Tanking, of course, David, we got to talk about tanking. But let's start with a question about Jordan Mickey. Lyle writes in, Jordan Mickey has been impressive the last two games. But this heat rotation has too many bigs, which is a shame because Mickey looks like he could develop into something. So Jordan Mickey, 23 years old, uh, the Heat signed him this this summer. He spent his first couple of years in Boston, and in the last two games, he's played quite a bit because Justice Winslow has been hurt, and so Mickey is, be, is the forward coming off the bench uh, against Charlotte. He played 15 minutes, had eight points and seven rebounds, had an assist. Um, against the Clippers in Miami's last game. He had nine points, four rebounds, two assists, three blocks, two steals, all in 27 minutes. In those two games combined, David, he's 7 of 12 from the field. He's looking good. I mean, he's been really impressive. And I know the Heat broadcast, Eric and Tony, they've been really impressed with him too. Everybody's been pretty impressed with what how Jordan Mickey's played. Eric Spolster's had good things to say about him. What has your opinion been on him so far? I think he's been okay. I, I think... You know, both the Clippers and the Hornets are kind of weak up front. Uh, you know, the Hornets are without Cody Zeller. Um, you know, the, the the Clippers don't have much behind DeAndre Jordan as far as their center position is concerned. So both of those teams wow, kind of weak. You're just a diss Willie Reed like that, huh? He leaves Miami <laughs> and he's just now he's just not much behind DeAndre Jordan. Well, I don't think he even played, right? He I mean, played. Isn't he still hurt? Oh, did he? Okay. I, I thought, yeah, I mean, they weren't impactful minutes yeah. either way. You uh, just didn't notice know. him. Yeah, there you go. I think that speaks volumes about Willie Reed's impact with the Clippers. Um, you know, I, look, Reed's a fine player. Uh, I don't remember who Charlotte has. Oh, sorry, Frank Kaminsky is their backup big there. So, I mean, Mickey can do nice things. He's that uh, three and 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 what is it? The three and three and B. Three and B. Yeah, three and B. Yeah, the three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that you know, the kind that can stretch the floor a little bit. That's uh, a different. A skill set than what guys like Winslow and, and uh, obviously Whiteside can provide. Maybe a little bit more like the Kelly Olynyks, uh, you know, as far as his overall skill set. Not a bad player overall. I still want to see a little bit more consistency out of him. I think there's a reason why he wasn't playing. But yes, there is kind of a logjam in the front court, and it'd be nice to get something different out of Mickey. You know, you put him out on the floor, definitely stretches the floor. Was it an active rebounder? I think that was the most impressive part about his impact on the game is that he was trying to mix it up, getting in there, mixing it up for rebounds, and and and, and pulled down seven of them against the Hornets. That's not an unimpressive feat. So, um, 
I just don't know how much we can rely on Mickey moving forward. I mean, look, obviously, if we moved Whiteside, uh, it'd be great to get a guy like Mickey some additional playing time. But I'm not sure if he's the kind of guy you want to rely on consistently anyway. I was most impressed with the way he moved around the floor and he was able to kind of make plays for other people. There was one play, I think it was against the Clippers. Uh, It might have been against the Hornets. I think it was against the Clippers where he... He got a rebound, brought the ball down the floor, and then ended up right. kicking it out for an assist. And that's just those are the sort of things that look. It, it shows up as an assist on the box score, but it doesn't really kind of lend itself to the impact of something like that. When your bigs can do something like that, he set really good screens. He was a good roller to the rim. I mean, there are some. There are three guys on this team right now who can do that. That can. That could set screens and roll to the rim hard, and they're just making plays for other people. I mean, that, and those those three guys are Kelly Olynyk, Bam Adebayo, and now Jordan Mickey. They just they all are kind of they they don't they're not all the same. They're all very different, but they kind of do the same thing for the Heat's offense plus the, whatever wrinkle that they also introduce. Like Mickey introduces like the rebound wrinkle, right? And Olynyk has like the three point shooting, and Bam Adebayo has just his his genuine athleticism and ability to guard five positions, um, yeah. and so. Look, I really like Jordan Mickey in Boston. I, I like Jordan Mickey at LSU. I, I've always been. A, I was really excited about Jordan Mickey when the Heat signed him this summer. This is not surprising to me. I really thought that given the opportunity, he could do this. He played 27 minutes against the Clippers. He's not going to. That might be his season high. That very well could be his season high. Uh, he played 15 minutes against Charlotte. That if if for whatever reason the Heat continue to have injuries and look, Whiteside's still out. James Johnson's dealing with some stuff. Winslow's still dealing. Mickey's going to have some time. This is why going into the season, the Heat really looked look. They didn't get Gordon Hayward right, so they said, Let, "Let's go get depth." This is why you get depth. Jordan Mickey isn't so good that you need to move Hassan Whiteside to get him more playing time, or start messing with your lineups to get him more playing time. But it's nice to have a guy like that who can come off the bench. Oh, Carroll White had some great minutes for the Heat last season. He's injured too right now. But even O'Carroll nice. White, like there are guys on this team that are deep bench guys who can really come in and make an impact. And you're right; I don't know if Mickey's consistent enough to do this all the time. But it's nice that he's doing this now, and that's that's the point here. And Spolstra's talked about that: him being a Heat player, just being ready to make an impact when his name is called. Uh, so I've been really impressed with him, and we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he's gonna, this isn't the last we're going to see Jordan Mickey. He's going to get a lot more playing time with all these injuries. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. Probably the best benefit that Miami has as far as their roster is concerned. In lieu of a star, they've got a, you know, a multitude of players that can contribute a few minutes here and there. And and you start to see, especially as the season winds on, you'll see more players dealing with fatigue on opposing teams. It's great to have guys that can feel comfortable enough to step in there if they need to, even if it's just for a few minutes at a time. Uh, and I, I think as long as the team keeps winning, too, That'll breed its own kind of confidence and comfort level and that, you know, they know that they'll be able to chip in and that they're doing it for a, a better cause than just their individual or their individual showcasing of their talents. It's it's to help the team continue to win. And so even when Whiteside does return, I'd expect him to get a couple minutes here and there just knowing that he yeah. can chip in and contribute. David, you knew this was coming. We've got a Paul George trade question coming up. But first, Locked On Heat still has inventory for sponsorships this season. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans. If you're unhappy with traditional advertising online or in print, know that podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with advertisers. Locked On Heat listeners are generally male, about 96%, and between the ages of 18 and 45, our rates are reasonable. 
and based on the number of listens, so it's an efficient use of your time and money. For more information on rates or next steps, email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company right here on the show. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go. But before we get to our Paul George trade question, I'm going to keep teasing this. Um, All right. Billy writes in, the West clearly has more star power, but does that make them deeper? Record-wise, the top four teams in the East, uh, or in both conferences, are just a few wins apart. What are your thoughts on this fact? The East as a whole is 204 and 197, while the West has a record of 199 to 206. This is as of December 13th. So, look, this has been an ongoing theme throughout the season that we haven't really talked about so much on the show is just the fact that, look, the East looks like the top three or four teams in both conferences are both really, they're really strong. Uh, I still think the West is much stronger um, as far as those top teams in the East, but the East might have, like, a better top eight just because, like, I feel like five through ten in the West is really just kind of up for grabs. Well, you could say the same thing about the East, too, right? I think, you know, yeah. got the Pacers floating in there. The Knicks are still holding, you know, treading water. The Bucks, we all expect them to make a move near the trade deadline. And if nothing else, get Jabari Parker back. So they're going to continue to improve. I think there's just a, a, quant- you know, a multitude of talent across both conferences, to be honest with you. I'm not sure how much stronger the West is overall. They clearly have... Well, not, maybe not clearly, but they have the two best teams as clearly. far as their overall. Oh, clearly, yeah. You I'm know, close. Houston and, and Golden State are just blowing everybody out at this I, point. I don't think the Rockets have lost a game in which Chris Paul has played for them. I mean, they no, are. They are. They look so good. I wrote about them last week for um, for FanRag about their, de- their their new lineup of death, uh, specifically yeah. about how PJ Tucker is like their Draymond Green. That team is good. Like that team is. I've watched a lot of the Rockets because I was writing, I was working on that piece. So I've watched a lot of the Rockets like the last week and a half or so. They are like in my piece, I said that look, they probably don't have what it takes to beat the Warriors, but they're right there. I don't know, like Sam or not Sam Hinkie, um, uh, Daryl Morey. He's introduced a lot of variants, which is his favorite word. I mean, that team looks good, and I don't want to spend too much time on the Rockets. But outside of the Warriors, like the Warriors are just unbeatable still. But when they when they're healthy and look, Curry's been hurt, and maybe that's going to add some sort of weird shift to the Western Conference if he's if he's dealing with that ankle injury in the playoffs. You know, if that becomes like a nagging injury this season, it is open, right? I mean, a healthy Warriors team is unbeatable, but that Curry ankle injury that's what it's going to take, right? And yeah. uh, but even outside of like a healthy Warriors team, if you subtract them from the equation, I think that the top teams in the East are just as good as the top teams in the West. You know. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Um, I, I, you know, that that middling pack in both conferences, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. A lot of those teams, like Minnesota's dealing with, you know, trying to figure out their identity now with with Jimmy Butler and the lineup. Uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns hasn't taken the leap that a lot of us expected to. The Trailblazers have been kind of inconsistent. They lost, I think, five in a row, and then they kind of won three. I just, I, I, I want to say something about Minnesota really quick. Go while, while we while we have this chance to talk about all these other teams in the league. It is so funny to me 
that everybody is surprised by what's happening with Minnesota because this is Tom literally Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau's M.O. This is what he did in Chicago, and this is why he was ran out of Chicago. Well, uh, this is I'll, what I'll he offer, does. I'll offer the differing opinion is that he spent that whole year going around every team in the league, meeting with the the, the Spurs and, and other teams around the league, trying to pick their brain, figure out what works. I think he may have even spent some time with Spolstra in Miami, just kind of seeing what how they work. And then he comes into Minnesota saying, I've changed, I've grown, I've learned, I understand nuances. And then he does exactly what he did in Chicago okay. playing guys way Bait too many switch. minutes. You know, it's it's weird. I, I'm – I'm not going to say I'm completely shocked by it, but I am a little surprised that he's not willing to make the adjustment when so much science has gone to proving that what he's doing is absolutely dangerous to the long-term benefit of these of these individual players and the team in general. So, I mean, it's just amazing to me. But, let's let's um let's kind of I want you to rank these the following teams here. Okay. Golden State, Houston, San Antonio, Boston, Cleveland, and Toronto. So those are the top three teams from each conference. Uh, I would go Gold State 1, Houston 2. I've got Cleveland leapfrogging Boston at this I'm, point. I'm with you on that. Um, and then I've got Boston 4, and then San Antonio 5, Toronto 6. I like Toronto. I saw them on one of their recent games, and, and you're right to have been on, as high on them as you have been the last time we ranked the Eastern Conference. They look really good. They look really deep. They're getting some really great playing time from OG Anunoby. Norman Powell off the bench has been stellar. I mean, they've gotten some really, really nice depth going there. Yeah. But the question is always what they can do in the postseason. So we just have to wait and see on that. But they've got more depth now than they have in a and long time. The one, two, three, four, the five teams you ranked above them all have at least one player better than anybody on Toronto, too. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I 100% agree with your rankings. That's literally what I had. So. And I, I have it's it's about that time where the Cavaliers are showing out and they're be, they're probably better than Boston. Even though Boston's defense, I think they have the tools to beat the Cavaliers, but I just I still think LeBron James, man, like just period. What have they won? Like fifteen in their last sixteen games? Yeah, it's like nuts. It's nuts. They're 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 doing pretty good considering how we thought that they were gonna you know fall apart. They're they're still holding tight. They're only seventeen and six against Eastern Conference yeah. opponents. I don't know that anybody's gonna unseat them in a seven game series. Dwayne Wade's really good for him. Just saying, he is. All right, Dan writes in, Dave, Wes, I'm hearing rumors of Paul George being open to a trade. What can Pat Riley do to bring him to South Beach to be the man here and build around a true star? All right, David. So I, I went to the trade machine as I, as I do. Okay. Look, uh, just before I tell you the trade that I came up with, though, I think a lot of people, we've heard a lot of, uh, I, I, at least I've seen a lot of stuff on at least Heat Twitter about Paul George trades, and I think that's because the, the Thunder have been on ESPN a couple of times in the last week, and people are starting to pay attention to them a little bit more as, as far as people in South Florida. And uh, and it's just the December fourteenth deadline occurred, so now teams are able to trade their contracts that they signed over the summer. Most notably, the Heat, who's basically half of their roster was under that restriction until that was lifted. Um, and so now and the Heat could trade almost anybody on the team. Really, they could trade anybody outside of Josh Richardson, who just signed that extension, so he can't be traded. Everybody else is open. Um, and if you're the Thunder, you've got to wonder, like, look, if if we're not going to be good, maybe we move Paul George. Now, I don't think that, and just for the record, I want to just say this, and I think you agree with me, David. I don't think the, the Thunder are ready to move on Paul George right now. I mean, the trade deadline is middle is the middle of February. They've got plenty of time to still try to figure this thing out 
And there's yeah. really no reason to move Paul George because they're not going to get a player as good as Paul George in return. And to be honest, Paul George is not, is not the problem in, in Oklahoma City. But if, if they think that he's going to leave, I can understand maybe at the trade deadline trying to flip him. That said, well, first of all, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I don't know if, I, you know, shameless self-promotion here. I had my recent feature for Fansided about really the Oklahoma City. Yes. Thank you so much. And, you know, obviously a lot of the same points that you hit on were what I had brought in there. You know, they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out. Billy Donovan's in a little bit over his head because it's hard to get through to players that, as he said, have played a certain way throughout their whole careers and now have to change that dramatically. But you're absolutely right that George isn't the problem. Carmelo hasn't been as good as expected. And Westbrook is really struggling trying to be the kind of yeah. playmaker that he can be. You know, he's not, you know, he's, he's not shooting at a very high percentage. In fact, at a, a career low, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's taking bad shots. He's hogging the ball a little bit. And that all fits into a very nice narrative that we have about Westbrook, about him being a, a jerk and everything else. But I think the Thunder are going to keep this trio together because, to be honest with you, they're holding on to the eighth spot right now in the Western Conference standings. And I consider that they'll probably continue to get better. They'll find a little continuity as time goes on. And you're absolutely right that unless George walks into Sam Presti's office and says, I hate Russ, I hate Mello, I don't want to be here, I'm tired of Steven Adams, New Zealand funk stinking up the locker room, I got to get the <laughs> hell out of here. You know, I don't think that's going to happen because I think George is just not that kind of guy. I'm not, I'm, not he, sure, I'm not sure it needs to go to that degree. I, I think, think it I, has to. You, so, in, order for him, in order for him to get a trade, he has to say, I don't want to be here. Because right now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Presti is willing to roll the dice that they can re-sign George. So they if, made a trade I, I think him. if the Thunder just aren't good, though, by, by February, if they just realize, like, look, we don't have the horses and we, we have a very strong suspicion, like... It would be easier, right, if Paul George is like, look, I'm going to L.A. But if they have a very strong suspicion that they can get through back channels and things like that, and we know that the NBA is very good at tampering, um, if they get that suspicion, I could see them trading Paul George, even without the, the just the outright saying, like, I'm not going to be here. I could see them just moving him for, like, pennies on the dollar. Like, I could see that just to recoup something for him, right? Because they lost, they lost their, their first-round pick from last year to Montespanis and Victor Oladipo. I could see them just trying to get something out of it. But that said, um, you and I are in, ag- are in agreement. If, if even in whatever world, if that, if this ha- trade was going to happen, and I think there, it's possible. Like if the Thunder suck in February, I think it's possible. But it would What's be in suck? February. What's up? Okay, like not suck. Forty percent like, win be, rate. Yeah, like be like if they're five hundred or worse. Five hundred or worse. Like if they're five hundred or worse, and it is clearly still not working. They're still not sure what to do at the end of games. Um, they're still wildly inconsistent. I could see them making a move. Um, and it would have to be a move to get some like young guys and, and kind of bolster that bench a little bit, maybe get positions of need. Um, I don't think that the Heat are the team that they would be looking at for that. You know, they're gonna be they're gonna want draft picks, right? They're gonna yeah. want stuff like that to start rebuilding around Russ a little bit more. Look, they took a swing for the fences this year, and it might still work. But if it does, if it doesn't work, you can't blame them. You got you got to take a swing when Russ is in his prime, coming off of an MVP year. You take that swing ten times out of ten. But if it doesn't work, you know, if you strike out, then I see them trying to get, you know, start rebuilding a little bit, try to get draft picks, try to get young guys. That said, the question we were asked from Dan was, how can Pat Riley, what can Pat Riley do? All he could do is offer something in February. And what that offer would be, and I played around the trade machine for a little bit, and I think the only thing that makes sense here, James Johnson, Justice Winslow, and Bam Adebayo. And like, and you just throw in that 2023 second round pick that we're allowed to trade, because you have to. And that's it for Paul George. And that's what you're able to offer. 
Um, James Johnson at least would fill a need for them. They they got Patrick Patterson. They signed him this summer, hoping he would be like a James Johnson type for them. He hasn't been mostly because he's been hurt. Uh, but James Johnson is a good. He's James Johnson's quietly having a, the best season of his career. Like he's having a better year now than he had in his contract year. Uh, he's more efficient. He's doing a lot more things. Um, so James Johnson would help that team. He'd be really good next to Russell Westbrook. And then just you you add Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo in there because they're the, the Miami's top two prospects, and you just throw them in there. I don't know if Winslow helps Oklahoma City considering that they already have Andre Roberson as a as an offensive zero and a and a, an elite defensive player. Bam Adebayo would be nice for them if for whatever reason they have to move on from Stephen Adams at some point if they need to trade him for value. Even if they don't, Bam Adebayo is like a good player off the bench for them who could do a lot of different things, as we know. That would be the deal. I think the Thunder would get a much better offer from something else, but maybe they don't. Maybe no other team is willing to take that chance on Paul George because they think he's going to the Lakers, and if that's the case, this might be the best the Thunder can do, you know? I think it's a great deal for Oklahoma City, to be honest with you. I mean, I I, I honestly hate that trade for Miami. I don't um, love it either. I think because Paul, Paul George is going to the Lakers. Like, if he's not, I just don't, I don't see him staying that. in Miami. Well, I, don't, I mean, again... Riley has shown the willingness to make that kind of deal in the past. He did it recently. Well, he did it with Alonzo Mourning when he first came, uh, convinced that he could get Alonzo to re-sign, which he did. Uh, he's done it with Koran Dragic, obviously. Um, that, that seems to be something he feels comfortable. I guess he can get into a, a room with Paul George and convince him to stay long-term. If that's the case, uh, the trade looks better for Miami, but you're giving up an awful lot. And not to say that Paul George isn't a great player, but he's also not – I don't think he's the kind of player that you can build around from a leadership perspective. Like Nate McMillan had said some comments earlier in the year about George's leadership and, you know, the question whether or not George was willing to be the leader. And he's right. And it's not an insult necessarily. Some guys just aren't the leader of your team. On that team, it was probably Roy Hibbert and David West or some combination of those. Even Lance Stevenson provided a leadership dynamic that Paul George didn't. Yeah. And George Hill was there. So George is a talented player, the best player on that team. But at the same time, you know, he would be the best player in Miami, but he wouldn't be the team's leader. And you're giving up an awful lot. Like, like to, to trade away James Johnson would hurt, like, the soul of the team. And maybe that sounds incredibly vague or whatever. But at the same time, I think it would really damage this team's chemistry. Um, and I, I don't know. Again, unless you're assured that George is signing, that's an yeah. awful lot to – Well, I think, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right. That would that – would damage and change completely the team's chemistry if they were to get rid of James Johnson, who is right now that le the leader in the locker room. It's him and Goran Dragic. Um, and if you trade him, yes, that's not going to be good for that chemistry. But if you're making a move for Paul George, your plan is to change the chemistry of that locker room completely anyway. So I'm not too worried about it. I, I, I agree with you. Paul George is not a leader. I don't think he's the guy that you could it could be your alpha dog on a team as far as right. that's the guy we're following no matter what. Like, Damian Lillard is, like, the best player on the Portland Trailblazers and the leader of that locker room. Like, Paul George might be a better two-way player. Than, well, he is a better two-way player than Damian Lillard. Yeah. But he doesn't have that, like, that alpha dog, like, I'm the guy, like, worthiness of following him. And I don't, and that's okay. Look, at, like, Paul George is still a top 15 player in the NBA. If if the Heat were, if the Pat Riley knew what, however, or was very confident that he can convince Paul George to stay, you do that trade. Like, it sucks. Like, you're, I'm, we're losing three players that, we like a lot, yeah. but you do the trade. Like, you do the trade because that's the only... Like, we've talked about this a hundred times, and I guess we're probably going to talk about it a little bit more in the next mailbag question. 
This this might be the only chance that the Heat have to land an all-star, and you need these kind of players to get good. And I think Pat Riley would do that trade. We know that he signed he re-signed James Johnson with the intention of being able to trade him, right? Like we that's we know that. And we also know for a fact that he would trade prospects for an all-star. Like he's done it a hundred times in his career, and he'd do it again. Um so I think you would do it, but it, but that would be like the Celtics when they acquired Gordon Hayward, they were still a move away. That move happened like a month later, and they when Kyrie Irving became available, surprisingly. But you get Paul George, people want to play with Paul George. Like LeBron James apparently wants to play with Paul George, right? If you believe these reports, that's yeah. that's huge. So if you're the Heat, you do it, but it would also suck, <laughs> you know. Like for you and I, we lose the three players we really like. That would suck. But it's and and I don't think you and I are really like the biggest fans of Paul George either. Yeah. Like I'm, I never loved Paul George. I think he's closer to Carmelo Anthony than he is LeBron James, but he's still a top fifteen player, and the Heat don't have anything close to that. I mean, he does a lot of things that Melo has never been willing to do. Like, I mean, he's the sure. leader in deflections, and, and and you know, he's a hell of a defender. Something that Carmelo was never accused of. So, he, he'd be a nice piece on his team, absolutely. But I, I just, you know, you'd have to <laughs> get him to resign. Like, I'm just worried about this. You know, to yeah, be honest with you, like making a move like that, I, it's great to have a superstar on your team. But if you're sacrificing these young players, and, and how old is Paul George now? 29, 28? Yeah. Something like that. And then the other problem with this is like, if you're the Heat and you make that deal and Paul George walks, you're not going to be so bad that all of a sudden you're tanking, right? Like, it's not like those three players are going to hurt the team so much. It's not like they're losing two of their top players, right? Like, but you sacrifice a hell of a lot of depth, which is what you just do. talked about being Miami's best asset at this point. You do, but it's not my. I guess what I'm going to say, what I'm saying is, it's not going to make them so bad that they're going to be one of the worst four or five teams in the league. So it's not like all of a sudden, if you if you make this trade, if you just like pull the switch for a Paul George deal, and then and then it doesn't work out because he walks and goes to the Lakers, they're still not going to be so bad afterwards that we're that they're just gonna go complete tank mode. Like they're gonna go from like a team that's maybe a forty five win team to a team that's like a thirty eight win team, which is an awful place to be in. You know, so this it, it would be really risky. But then again, Riley, the only reason he would do it, I guess, was if he's confident he can convince him to stay, which who knows. Um all right. Let's have that ta- that tanking conversation again because we've already talked about it a little bit. But first Quick reminder, make sure that you're subscribed to Locked on Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and to leave us a review on iTunes to help other Heat fans discover the show. Also, be sure to check out what the rest of what the Locked on Podcast Network has to offer. The Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, last mailbag question comes from Lyle, who writes in, I don't mind if the Heat win 40 games for the next four seasons. The problem is that they aren't built for the future like the Sixers, Bucks, or Celtics. Why is Justice Winslow playing a career low in minutes when he probably has the highest upside out of anyone on the team? They need to start developing young talent because there are only a few teams that have a realistic shot at beating Golden State, so you might as well build for the future. That doesn't necessarily mean tank, though. I wouldn't mind tanking this season and drafting Luka Doncic or Michael Porter Jr., but the Heat need to start following the blueprints of other teams and build for the future. 
All right. I already know how you feel about this, David. I can I can feel you seething. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm, I'm pissed off as hell. I will never read another question from Lyle again on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Lyle. We appreciate Lyle's questions. Look, he's Absolutely. he's saying. I want you to focus on this part. He is saying they don't need to tank, but they need to start developing talent for the future. Which right. I feel. But at like, the same time, irrationally suggests drafting Luka Doncic or Michael Porter. Like, that's not going to happen. You've got Atlanta and Chicago. He said he wouldn't mind. No, yeah, of course. Nobody minds drafting, like, generational-type talent. I love Luka Doncic. It doesn't seem realistic. That's the whole thing. For every Luka Doncic, you get a, you know, a Jaleel Okafor. I mean, or a Markel Fultz, even. Like, not the Nocta kid. So we've had, we had this conversation last week about tanking. And the one thing I will say about this and and you make that argument a lot about draft picks, right? For every for every LeBron, you've got a Greg Oden, right? Like you've yeah. got, and I get that. But even if you look at what the Seventy Sixers did, they yeah. only they only hit on fifty percent of their draft picks during the process, right? Like they hit on they they so far Fultz so far Fultz, yeah. Let's not like not even including Fultz, who I still like. I think we're all I think it's insane that people have just jumped off that the Fultz boat so so quickly, but. Um, Embiid and Simmons being their top. Embiid and Simmons worked out. Nerlens Noel and Jaleel Okafor were busts. Like are no longer on the team. Bad. Like just well, did not, not work bust. out. Not bust is bust harsh. for them. Bust for them. Like bust for the 76ers. Did not work out for them. You know. Fair enough. Like not on the team. Like just didn't work. But like for those two busts, total home runs on Embiid and Simmons. And that's why. And that's why. Just I'm not just. Not even talking about the heat right now, but just in the general conversation of tanking, this is why you need more draft picks. And this is why it hurts that the Heat don't have draft picks, whether or not they're top three picks or just first round picks or second round picks in general. You need picks. Like you just need them. Even if you hit even if you have a three or four really lousy years, but you hit on all you need to do is hit on fifty percent of them and you have a chance. That's it. But they already got rid of those draft picks and they're not gonna be able to trade for any draft picks. Like that's just a reality. Nobody on their team is going to net them a high enough draft pick. Not Whiteside. No, that's not why, and that's why you spam, right? Well, I mean, they're not going to. They, well, they don't have any draft picks of their own. So the well, only if they way take, they could, like hypothetically, if they if they just lost almost every game the rest of this season, how realistic is that? I mean, it's not. But I'm just saying, like that's why you tank. Is like <laughs> I mean, so their yeah, their pick is owed to Phoenix. It's top seven protected though, right? So right. If okay, the so pick if they're like falls the, in the top team? seven, yeah, if they're one of the seven worst teams, they keep their pick. That's not going to happen. That's I mean, not going to happen. Hopefully, not. there's too much hopefully talent. I mean, there's, they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now, so we'll see how those those get better, right? But right. hopefully, if, not. if yeah. Spolstra sits Goran Dragic and, and puts in Derek Walton Jr. And, and and Jordan Mickey as your starting lineup, then we know the tank is on. You know, they don't expect Whiteside to come back. They've already fielded offers, and they don't like anything they're getting in return. But that doesn't seem very likely. I think they're going to try to win as much as possible, despite the injuries. Look, even last year when the tank should have been on, it didn't make any difference. They wound up winning 31 of their last 40, 41 games or 30 of their last 41 games. I mean, it's just this isn't a team that's going to tank. So I don't know how else to do it. I don't know if that's it. true. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they're going to. Pat Riley's tanked before. And I really Once? think that he's pushed this like heat culture. We don't tank thing to this to this point where I think we're just like kind of believing it. But it, so you tank for Michael Beasley? Yeah, but for when you tank for Michael Beasley, you know the, the time they tank, like they tank before that, they ended up with Dwayne Wade. Like you do did they it. Tank that you, season? Yeah, they kind of did. 
Well, Alonzo Mourning kind of lost a kidney, and I know, I don't know but like he... they could have they could have made moves to try to replace them, but they didn't. They kept the draft pick. There was a different. There was a different NBA team. I mean, it was a different era. I mean, I, I don't know that you can compare what happened in two thousand two, two thousand three, to building a team in today's market. You know, he's changed the game considerably when he traded for Shaq. You know, he changed it in two thousand ten again. Like he, we're we're talking about these super teams or what have you, but, and I think yeah. you know, Riley I, mean, I think I think you're. But you're right. Like he'll either make the move for the star, or he's gonna go and because there's been reports too that like if Dwayne Wade would have like left in in 2010, he would have tanked. Like you just at that point, well, you, you wouldn't have had much else, right? I mean, you wouldn't have had he, anything on the yeah, roster. Yeah, I mean, the Heat don't have much right now. Like they really don't. Like they don't have like you don't look at one player and you're like if they don't win while that player is in their prime, it is a waste. Like there's no player on that on the Heat right now that is in that conversation, right? I, I look maybe to Lyle's original question. You need to start developing young talent. Okay, yeah, we should talk about that. They are. They are developing young talent. I mean, Whiteside, for all his you know his actual age, is still a young talent that he only has three real years of experience at the NBA level. You know, um, Justice Winslow is getting playing time at just turned twenty one. Uh, you know, Bam out of bio. Let's not focus on Winslow's playing time either. He's playing in the right role, which is the yeah. most important thing. Like, let's not look at his minutes per game thing. Like, he is. He is playing a significant amount of time in significant moments, and the Heat are starting to carve out the right role for him. They finally – we haven't talked about this enough on the show, David. They have finally landed on a position for him, small ball four, which is what he should have been playing. I mean, I still think he could be a point guard, but he should be playing small ball four. That's what he should be playing, not small forward, not anything else. He is a small ball four who can defend a lot of different positions and play in a lot of different situations offensively, which he has done. He sets screens, he handles the ball a little bit, you know, he's involved in pick and rolls. Like he he's But off the bench though. But off the bench, and that's fine. I don't care if it's off the bench or starting. It's he's playing a position. They have found well, the, a position the for reason, Winslow, and that's reason huge why, for his development. The reason why I say off the bench is because if you're starting him at the four there's chances that he's going to go up against some really elite level power forwards or fours okay. across the league, and that's going to put significant wear and tear on his young body. You know, Good he's that. He, that's that's the reason why Paul George didn't want to guard the four. Or LeBron James didn't want to guard the four is because that does cause your the, your overall career as far as your longevity is concerned. So that's a that's a concern. Bam Adebayo is um, getting playing time lately. He looks great. Yeah, they're developing young talent. This is like when they say. The Nets don't have any draft picks. Well, they've acquired a bunch of draft picks over the years since then, even though they traded away there and, and you know, and many years ago when they made that move for Kevin Garnett, et cetera. But this is why another thing, uh, as far as Lyle's question is concerned, you don't know what the future holds for any team. Like, you we're talking about the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics being built for the future. The Sixers' future hangs on Embiid's shaky legs, and those could fall apart at any second, to be quite honest with you. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo could ask for a trade or, or, you know, not necessarily develop into the kind of overall player that maybe he has that extra ceiling to, for growth. You know, uh, the Celtics. I think the chances you know, of that are slim, though. I mean, okay, okay, <laughs> but I see okay, what you're saying. Look, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Argument. argument Tom McCurr hasn't developed. Jabari Parker, maybe he has health issues for the rest of yeah, his the life. Yeah, the Bucks have a lot of questions about how they take that next step, right? Because it's not enough, and they're not have... particularly good now. Yeah, they've Giannis, got a new coup Giannis is a. Giannis is going to be a top five player in the league. I just think that's like you're right, like barring injury or something crazy. Like this guy is going to be one of the best three or four players in the NBA, period. But it's not, you can't have him and Eric Bledsoe. That's not enough, right? So what happens with Jabari? What happens with 
Chris Middleton, are they able to hold on to that contract? Are they able to def- solve their defensive issues? Like, there's a lot of issues as far as a, you know, a team building and Excel spreadsheet questions wise for the Bucks to answer. So you're right. Like, they need to figure the rest of it out. Is Jason Kidd the coach there? Like, we'll get. They've got a lot to figure out. Um, yeah, well, how, do you, a, how do you feel about that Jason Kidd issue? Like, I've seen him being trashed a lot lately. I don't, I don't know what the details are as far as. You know, does he mismanage the lineup? Does he push too many players in the opposite direction of where they need to go, or something? Yeah, I don't want to do locked on Bucks too much, but I I think Come that on. Uh, that's what that's what we're here. For. <laughs> um, Jason Kidd might be the guy that gets him to a level, but can't take him to the next level. Fair you know what I mean? Like he might just be like the Tony Dungy of that team, and they might need a John Gruden. He might be like the the Mark Jackson of that team, and they might need a Steve Kerr to have a more relevant example, like. I don't know. I don't know. He seems. It's kind of funny because I, I I went and covered a Bucks game in Sacramento, and and uh, one of the reporters there asked him about his defensive things, and and he basically gave like this quote that was actually a pretty good quote talking about his defensive schemes and how they are changing a little bit of what they're doing as far as like the blitzing and helping um, that they've been doing, and then like two days later, I read I was reading another report uh, when the Bucks were playing somewhere else. And somebody asked him the same thing about the defense, and he gave the same exact quote. Nice. And it was like, okay, like, props to you for being prepared for that question, but also, like, how much are you really thinking about this stuff? Or are oh, you no. just, like, saying this just to get the reporters off your back? Because the defense really hasn't changed a whole lot. Like, it's changed, they've gotten a little bit more conservative sometimes, but I don't know that Jason Kidd knows what it's going to take to take that to get that team playing that next step. I like his, I like overall what he does, but... It is a little, it is a little funky, but that's I, I'll I'll get off my Jason Kidd soapbox now. So so back to the original question. Then, are we building for the future enough, doing what we're currently doing with the young players on this roster? So and you I, know what I look at is the Toronto Raptors. Okay. So they've got two players that they've built around, right? Lowry and DeRozan, and over yep. the years, like they haven't had a top ten pick. I don't think like uh, Yaka Pertle was what like. 12, something like that, 11. Maybe he was top 10. He might have been top 10. But outside of him, they haven't had like a big pick. Um, But they've slowly and surely built like a young like roster. Like they've got like a bunch of young players on that team behind Lowry and DeRozan and Serge Ibaka. They've got like this young group of guys who look like they could kind of just... That's the depth. But they, they have those two top guys. If the Heat can get those two top guys, which they don't really have. Like, Goran Dragic could be one of those guys. I don't know if they have the second guy. I think they were hoping, like, Deion Waiters could be that guy or Whiteside could be that guy, but I'm not sure that you build winners around those guys. Yeah. If they can get that second guy, then I'm fine not having, like, a top five pick. I'm fine not building, getting Embiid or Simmons, but they've got to find one other guy. And then slowly and surely, you start accumulating draft picks in other ways. You know, trading Deion Waiters for a draft pick, trading Whiteside for a draft pick, stuff like that, um, just to add more young talent. All the while, you, you've got two guys who can just kind of lead, just like just like the Grizzlies, the Raptors, like Mike Conley and Marcus All. Like, if you have two guys who are like top 30 players, you can win at a high level in the NBA. That's all you really need to just win 45 plus games a year. And then outside of that, you just build. You just you slowly and steadily build young young talent, right? Uh, I'm looking at the Miami's average age in the roster. It's 26.8. That's not particularly high. Yeah, I mean, look, Bam, Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Justice Winslow. Those are four really good young guys. Yeah, not really good, but good. Like good young guys, like good guys to have. I like them, but they're just 
So yeah, you're right. Going back to Lyle's question here, I think they are developing them. Like, let's not focus on the minutes per game thing. Like, Bam's getting a chance. Josh Richardson's playing like a team high of minutes. Tyler Johnson's always getting an opportunity. It's not a bad, it's not bad youth. They're just missing that one that one guy. You know that 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 just they're one guy away from being really competitive. I think. All right. Well, they're going to be a lot of guys short tonight. <laughs> they only they might only play eight players for tonight's game against the Hawks. No Dragic, no Waiters, no Winslow, no Whiteside, no James nope. Johnson, no Magruder, no Carol White. No Dragic, no Waiters either? Yeah, they might be out. See that latest injury report? Is yeah, Dragic from this morning. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're questionable. So this is a loss? They could, well, I don't know. The Hawks really suck. <laughs> the Hawks yeah, are they, I mean, yeah, they beat some teams. Didn't they knock off Cleveland a couple weeks ago? I mean, yeah, but like, okay, like... I don't know. It's, I'm not going to schedule it as a loss. They've got they've got Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson and Bam still playing. They got Jordan Mickey. I mean, they've got a chance as long as Mickey's playing. Um, but we'll be back tomorrow with a recap of tonight's game. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. You can send mailbag questions for next week and inquire about advertising by sending an email to lockedoneat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions on comments for our recap tonight using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Music is courtesy of Monte Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. Got it, Wes. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.